welcome to another What's Up podcast. I'm Becca Martin-Brown, and I'll tell you straight up at the beginning, I'm nervous. The Kate brothers are in our studio. <laughs> Jocelyn Murphy is also here to chat with them, and so I'm going to turn it over to her and throw things in when I can't resist it. <laughs> yes, we have both Kate brothers here. We're so excited. Thank you so much for joining us. And you're in the studio or in the office to talk to us because we're working on a story celebrating your 50th anniversary. Yeah, yes. more than that, actually. Well, yeah, <laughs> I guess, yeah, is it the official, air quotes, yeah. 50th anniversary? But, you know, well, obviously you've been playing... 50th anniversary of, of actually recording Okay. the yeah. first album with a major... I guess you would say a major label was in 69, so... Okay. Yeah, and, and that's obviously such an accomplishment, and, you know, we've been lucky enough to have you here for all that time. Uh, you go and play other places, but we out. still get to claim you, so. Yeah, it's home. <laughs> so yeah. what was your childhood like? Where'd you grow up? What were mom and dad doing when they weren't wishing you guys had shut up? <laughs> well, we grew up on a farm in Sonora, east of Springdale. Mm-hmm. Yeah, having horses, cattle, you know. It was fun. And guitars and banjos. <laughs> when did you start playing music together just for fun? Well, her dad always was kind of frustrated musician. He wanted to play, so he bought a, some old guitar, traded a log for it or something. We started picking it up. Well, they still look like they're kind of interested in playing. You know, next thing you knew, he bought a banjo. We'd go to the neighbors that were players, you know. Pick, back then, didn't have a TV, so that was your entertainment on a Saturday night or something. Go with the neighbors and they would play. We watched them and just picked it up gradually. Mm. So, was there? Do you recall a moment, um, a song you heard or a song you played, or maybe a performance moment that it kind of hit you? Oh, this is what I've got to do for the rest of my life. <laughs> I don't know. It was pretty gradual getting into it. I guess. Sure. When we once we got in high school, it was like rock and roll was the thing, right? Yeah, had talent contests in high school. We were teenagers of the fifties. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they were late talent contest in our high school days, and we had a little, well, three-piece group or whatever. There was always programs at school and stuff. Participate in. Youth center and whatever. And we were being twins was kind of a novelty, I guess. Yeah, yeah. We, we used to do all, the Everly Brothers used to be our thing. We did all the Everly Brothers songs, and every record they come out with, we would learn the latest 45, you know. And that was interesting because we were twins and we'd do it at the concerts at school, so. Did you play like the school dances and stuff? Later yeah, on, yeah. yeah. So mm-hmm. how did you end up leaving Fayetteville and going off to find the big time? It's a long story. <laughs> we're here all day. We started off, actually, a guy from Fort Worth, Texas came into Fayetteville. I don't remember what the reason for but he heard us play at this club and Wanted to know if we want to do some recording, so we started doing some stuff for them down in Fort Worth. That was ended up to be our first record deal. Then when that record company folded, because of antitrust laws, they owned a bunch of radio stations. And the government said yeah. you can't own radio stations, and you know, and have a record label too. It's not fair. So anyway, that changed. And then uh, in the meantime, we had met Levon Helm, whose parents lived in Springdale and got to be friends with him. Well, we knew him when he was playing with Ronnie Hawkins, but anyway, uh, he, he, he wanted to try to help us, you know, so he had us send a tape to L.A. Ernie sent a cassette tape out there, and they left it on 
was it Elliott's desk? I can't remember. Yeah, uh, management company, look how management, and they sent it over to Electro Asylum Records, just some, one of their A&R men, Chuck Plotkin. And he, uh, listened to the tape, he called me, he says, uh, I've got this tape, and is this you? Who is this? And I said, well, that's us. I, said, I really like this. You know, so next thing you know, we were already contracting some other people in Houston, but it took quite a while to get out of that contract, but then they signed us, Electro Asylum did. So. But, so, sorry, go okay. ahead. <laughs> but like we said at the beginning, you, you kept coming back to Northwest Arkansas. Yeah. You know, we, yeah. we've gotten to claim you for all these years. What kept you coming back to this area? That's all. I got tired of big cities. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I, I wouldn't want to live in L.A., that's for sure. But we did do our albums out there and things, you know, so. But it's always it's best to be home, mm-hmm. you know. And you have your, your family, too, that you got to be with and want to be with. Is it just the two of you? Did you have brothers and sisters? Sister. Is she still? She is in Fort Smith. Cool. When did you realize that, like in Northwest Arkansas particularly, that you're famous? When when did you realize that, like when you walk down the street, people are going to go, that's Ernie and Earl? I don't know. We were on uh, Dick Clark, American Bandstand, I think that, and then the Midnight Special, people start, plus that one record was pretty good hit, you know, so people start saying, wow, you know. Is it weird? Is it fun? Because people still, I'm sure, do it. It's okay. I don't know. <laughs> Try not to think about that. <laughs> well, and um, so Earl, you and I spoke a few weeks ago, or we spoke recently, um, about a fellow musician friend of yours, and um, so I kind of asked him the same question because we got to talking about the area's, you know, rock and roll scene. Northwest Arkansas had a very specific um, group of musicians that came out of the area and a very specific scene that went on to kind of, you know, influence the region, influence other areas sure. of the country, and really produced a lot of great musicians that to this day, you know, even the ones that aren't still playing or have passed away, their names are still well known. And in my research, you guys are pretty much attached to all of them or connected in some way. I think being a college town too, like a lot of groups come to town to play. Mm -hmm. There was a lot of music from Memphis. and and Anyway, that, that was a lot to do with it. Of course, that era too, like rock and roll era. Ronnie Hawkins, who's from Arkansas, he's Canadian now, but he's, he was Ronnie Hawkins, the Hawks, you know, he had some pretty good hits, and so that became the band, mm-hmm. eventually. We were from were friends with them, and uh, actually saw that group evolve to where it became the band, right? So that's kind of well known, and then there's been a lot of, well, like Wendy Austin, and, <laughs> Yeah, Zorro, Blue Football. I was Blue thinking Football. about both of them. Yeah. Yep. There's so many bands from Think Back, you know, Lose Track, that were fairly successful, like River City. And, uh, I don't know. There's just always been a lot of music here. Yeah. And I think there's a certain, maybe a certain style or sound, a sound that's kind of, you know, comes from Northwest Arkansas. And a lot of that had to do with Ronnie Hawkins, probably. Mm. His style of music, like rockabilly sort of rockabilly but still had its own thing you know was he an influence on you two as well oh yeah mm-hmm. yeah we used to go down at the old rockwood club we were too young to get in 
stand out in the back and look through the fan. You get that big fan in the back. We'd listen to music from there and, that, and heard a lot of music that we hadn't heard before. Bobby Blue Bland and a lot of, you know, Ray Charles and his band was playing a lot of that stuff that we'd never heard. And that kind of changed our thoughts about music too. Mm. So he has influence in that way. It's interesting that the British invasion never invaded Fayetteville. <laughs> no, true. not really. Because no. there's nothing, there was, I can't think of any band that I've ever heard of here that picked up that kind of music and took it forward out of here. No, no it didn't. No. I know back in the early 60s we played in Joplin in the summer, like six nights a week at this club. And, and at the time, we, we were playing just kind of what we play, you know. But there was a big difference even just that distance and the music that bands were playing up there and, and what we were playing. Like, I was bending guitar strings and I said, what are you doing, what, what is that? Because <laughs> they had never heard it. So know. was it the British, the more British poppy? No, it was more like Cal- the Ventures, you know, that kind of stuff, Cal- you know, different style, which ours is a little bit more rooted in the blues, you know, and R&B. You know. I think that y'all were, the- Americana before it was Americana. In a, in a way, I guess. Yeah. It we, wasn't a category for that back then. They didn't know what it was. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there was actually a lot of, excuse me, a lot of people that never heard, didn't know us or never heard us thought we were a black man. We came out with a, you know, that first big album, the way we call it. Interesting. Yeah. Talk a little bit about what Dixon Street was like. I got here just after all of that. I've seen the pictures of the swinging door and the oh, yeah. big cowboy. Yeah. What was Dixon Street like in the heyday of the music scene? Well, it was really kind of similar to Austin. I mean, it was always like Gary P. Nunn and, and uh, Ray Wiley, all those people used to come and play at the swinging, swinging door, door and Delbert McClinton and, you know, that they always came here. It was college town, but it was real loose time you know on the street you know it wasn't as fancy as it is now yeah, at one time georgia's didn't even have band you know they didn't what when year was it they true. started i can't remember yeah i know well they yeah. were more of like a little lunch place for yeah. a while weren't yeah. they even a pizza place at one yeah. which they still it wasn't really until later they started having bands so but you could just go down the street from from Great music to great music. Yeah, there's a lot of places to play. Yeah, pretty much two or three groups or more. Library on the street. Yeah, at one time. Yeah. Wow. Would you call that period probably your favorite period to play on Dixon, or you know, how have you seen it change through the decades? It has changed a lot, but it's still our favorite place to play. Yeah. I mean, George's is, is our favorite place, even though we play Lucas, Kansas City, and you know, different places. Yeah. It's, Still kind George's of amazing. Still after amazing, after all this time, that we can still play George and be full, yeah, full of people. Yeah, kind of amazes me every time we do it. I think well, sooner or later, there's going to be nobody. You know, I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, Is there? Are there changes in the in the music scene? How do I want to say this? You know, back in the day, you signed a contract, you cut a record. Now you're trying to stream. Do you try to do all of those things, or did you just say, no, we we make records, we play gigs? Yeah, been CD. pretty much it on that, yeah. It's a lot different nowadays. Is but it good you, or bad? I don't know. It's hard to say. It's probably bad for the songwriters because yeah, all the download stuff makes, makes it hard. And there's a lot of what they call bedroom studios. Yeah, people, people make their own records. Yeah, they make they records in their bedroom. 
you stream it and it's like that, that easy, you know. And if something catches on, it catches on. That's kind of what happens. How many gigs are you guys still playing a year? God, it's hard to say. I'm more or less, I don't do it as much. CD does about every weekend, this band, but Kate Brothers probably, gosh, I don't know. I haven't thought about it. Just a few selective gigs we don't play every week, you know. It's like King Biscuit Blues Festival or... Yeah, we did that a couple weeks we ago. We did the Roots Festival this year. How'd you like it? That was great. Yeah. Nice. And, uh, what, Kansas City, you know, just a few places, or festivals mainly, you know. And talking about your records, uh, or talking about records in general, moving over to your records, you guys are working pretty closely with Ben Mead at um, Cosmic Cowboy Studio, mm -hmm. and he's re-releasing kind of your back catalog. Yeah. How did all of that come about? How do you feel about it? You know, are you excited for your records to be out there again uh, in this well, different format? We'll see what happens. I don't know. <laughs> I think it was out of our control. Okay. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's a nice thing for him to do because he's been a fan. We've met him several years ago in Kansas City. In fact, he remembers interviewing us and I don't remember. He says, I couldn't get you guys to talk at all. <laughs> and he's, he's got a pretty heavy history with music, documentaries, and stuff. You've met him, I guess. Well, we've only spoken on the phone. I haven't yeah. met him in person yet. He's quite a guy. Yeah. He's yeah. having his ribbon-cutting thing in the morning. I was about to say, he's very excited about his, his studio, and he was telling me how, you know, the analog element of it, it's one of the only ones in the area, in the state? I think so. Oh, well, so. I think Crisp has a machine, but not the same thing he's got. He's, okay. He just wants to, he was really interested in trying the analog approach, mm -hmm. which, which most people, most musicians will say, yeah, that sounds better than digital. Yeah. But just talking about all of these, you know, you called them bedroom studios, it does seem to me that there's kind of a resurgence of people. Um, I'm, obviously, I've only had the experience in this area, but it seems to me even in this area, you oh, know, yeah. up in Bentonville, uh, there's one in Springdale, now Fayetteville, of people trying to get back to, quote, you know, kind of the right. roots exactly. of, yeah, right. this recording style and really, you know, nurturing the music in sure, that yeah. way. Have right. you been, um, you know, really involved with, with Ben on that side, or what have you seen Not as far as that? Not a lot yet, but we haven't done a project in a while with, with the Kate Brothers, but it'd be interesting to try it again. Yeah. How many albums do you have all together, do you know? I think there's six, is that right? Well, six vinyls, and I think there's four CDs. Wow. Yeah. That's when not we'll, a lot, really, because most guys have hundreds. Over that many years, it's not very many. <laughs> it sure has had an impact for not very many. When will this, this re-release that Ben's working on come out? Oh, it's available now. They're oh, cool. actually the Kate's Gang records, which were the first ones we did. And he hasn't re done anything with the other Electra stuff or yet. So. It sounds like some of them will be coming in January, yeah. right after the premiere of the documentary. Yeah, he's been working on that a while. <laughs> Forgot about that. So tell me, tell me about that. You know, where is it mostly old footage? Has he been filming new stuff? It's it's primarily about he's the got two everything. of you, correct? He has everything. Okay. He has live footage like from Kansas City knuckleheads, and then he's got old like Midnight Special, American Bandstand. He, He's found the stuff we didn't even know you could get. You know, it's all included. I, you know, we haven't seen any of it yet. 
She's got a lot. At least one of us on this side of the table remembers Midnight Special, and it's not her. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, no. Sure that used to be how you found out about new songs. Yeah. It was cool. But I remember come, come home from school in the afternoon, and the first thing we turned on was American Bandstand, because he was on it. Dick Clark was on every day, and we kind of thought, then, man, if we could ever make it to American Bandstand, we've made it, you know what I mean? Because it seemed like everybody you saw on there was, you know, was making it, you know. We finally got there. It wasn't that big a deal. <laughs> what musician did you meet along the way that you were starstruck to meet? Hmm. I don't know. That's a good question. Had a lot of them. Did you ever cross paths with like Elvis or? No, oh. no, no. Bob Dylan, of course. We did, you know, do show with him and stuff. You know, trying to think who else. That's well, pretty legendary. We did our. Uh, when we were at a record deal, we opened for a lot of bands like mm-hmm. the Beach Boys and Boss Gags and Charlie Daniels. And, uh, who else? Fleetwood Mac. And, and the Queen. Queen, believe we it or not. We did half of the Queen tour. We Bohemian were the opening band for the Queen during the Night of the Opera tour. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> and we were so totally different than them. But it worked out good. We were on the same record label, and so we were flying on the same you know, flights, go to the radio station, had an interview, and and every night we'd hear them playing Bohemian Rhapsody, and we'd go, well, that's okay, it's kind of different, but <laughs> we didn't realize it would be legendary eventually, you know what I mean? How did the audiences react to, y- to y'all as an opener when they came well, for Queen? I'll tell you a story. <laughs> the first concert we did with them was in Waterbury, Connecticut. The record company flew us up. I think they gave us 25 minutes to play opening act, you know. We walked on stage and it was all 16-year-old boys, and before we hit one note, it said, you suck. Get off the stage. And that's the first thing we said note. when we got on stage. And oh. I, that's the truth. Yeah, he, he what did you do? We did, went ahead and played their songs. And we, uh, that was about the only place that happened. Were they what any was happier amazing, at the though, end? Like, no. What was, <laughs> what was amazing off, is the next, I think the next night or two nights later, the next show we played was in Boston. It was like an opera house. It was like people with their dates and everything. Worked great. People, you know, we had a record on the radio, you know, and stuff. And they recognized the song. And the reception was really good from then on. But that first one was scary. We said, "Man, we don't going to do this." Oh, I've always thought openers have the roughest job in the world, especially yeah. if there's like three opening bands and That's you're right. the very yeah. first one. Yeah. <laughs> back back then, your management kind of worked out deals with these, you know, get get their get their groups on, you know, mm-hmm. give them thirty minutes or so. But Can, it helped break your record to do that. Yeah, it did. If it didn't break your spirit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> kind of in that vein, kind of, you know, thinking about stories that stand out. Uh, do you have anything, any memories that stand out of fellow musicians from the area or venues that you're like, yeah, you know, this happened and you, you might not have thought this would happen in this area or, you know, I had this interaction with this fellow musician that, you know, anything stand out like oh. that? So there's so many of them. I remember when yeah. Elvin El- Bishop came to town, and uh, back when he was popular, he still is. Anyway, uh, we played at the old Gaslight Club, and he came down. He stayed in town for several days and played with us. We later on played on tour with him when he had Fool Around, Fell in Love. It was a big hit. We ended up doing a bunch of his dates with him. And he's been a friend of ours. In fact, Arnie and I have been to his house in California. Stories like that. But then I'll 
far as Wendy, Austin's concerned, there's a thousand stories about that guy. <laughs> Most of them you can't really re repeat. <laughs> Pretty much anywhere he was, there was a, a party going on. <laughs> yeah, he started it. Another interesting thing as far as the songwriting, there was a fellow called Dan Penn. I don't even know where he wrote uh, stuff with Aretha Franklin and a bunch of people. And his friend Wayne Carson, who wrote, you know, The Letter. Always on my mind, Willie mm -hmm. Nelson, and, and a the bunch letter. of other songs. They came here one weekend. We wrote songs together. And, and of course, we've been friends with Dan for a long time, Dan Penn. He had, well, the box stops, he produced them. Oh, wow. You know, yeah. But he's a well-known uh, writer in Nashville. When we were recording in L.A., you know, we with studio musicians, right? right? Lise, Leland Scalar is a bass player that came and played on a track. And Carly Simon was with him that day, so she was hanging out. There was always somebody like that Keith coming Moon. around the studio. <laughs> wow. One day, we, yeah, Keith Moon was we Keith recording. Moon. He came in before we started our session. He was Somebody brought some drums in for him to try or something. Yeah. And he came out of the studio and jumped on those drums and stood up on them and started jumping up and down. They had to hold my weight. They, they just buckled. <laughs> he just said how strong they were. Crazy guy. <laughs> so if you guys go out to listen to music in northwest Arkansas, are there bands that you particularly love and want to hear? Well, the ones I like to hear are the ones that's always been around, like the Bel Airs. The Nace Brothers are real good friends of ours. It's my favorites, but, you know, there's there's a lot of them. I'm not real as familiar as I should be about some of the new young group. I know Vintage Pistols are good. And I'm just not that familiar with them. I don't get out that much. It's harder to get out the older you get. That's right. That's, right. <laughs> That's why the six to eight work, time slot works good. <laughs> happy hour. We're all happy with that. Yeah. Well, as a matter of fact, you know, the other band I play in, we go like to Lincoln, Nebraska, or Wherever they do the same thing, they got early show, like all the blues acts come in. They play six to eight or five to nine, and it works because the older crowd can come out and hear music and get home at a decent hour. Because yeah. if you say something starts at ten o'clock, we all go, no, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, I, no, I so it has. I mean, like our friends are like Jimmy Thackeray and Coco Montoya, mm -hmm. people like that that are on the road all the time. They play a lot of early shows now and they save the late shows for the young bands. <laughs> exactly. Are you still writing? Hadn't in a long time. Mm -hmm. Trying, once, trying once in a while. Yeah. <laughs> so most of when you do play, you know, you mentioned both of you together, pretty infrequent um, dates now, but when you do play it's mostly the, is it your entire catalog? Is it the it's more recent-ish stuff? It's a mixture of all of it. Okay. It's, mo it it's mostly now. original material. Mm. Like well, we do some things. of the band stuff yeah. because of the connection. Terry, our drummer, is Levon's nephew. He's been with us forever. Anyway, there's that connection. How do you feel like your music has changed over the 50-plus years you've been playing well, together? I hope it's gotten better. <laughs> you try to learn as you go along. Try to get better, yeah. Does it seem like that much time has passed? No, it seems about 15. Yeah, 15 yeah, it doesn't seem like 50 years. <laughs> yeah. And you never feel, at least I've found out, you don't ever feel any older. Your body may, but your mind doesn't. That's right. Yeah, right. Sometimes you have to look at yourself, uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you, you two will find these things. Yeah, yeah someday. Yeah. So you have the... Uh, 
celebratory 50th anniversary concert yeah. coming up at George's on November 16th. Mm-hmm. That's actually my birthday. Oh, yeah. <laughs> It's a Saturday. Uh, it will definitely be sold out if it's not already. So by the time you are hearing this podcast, it could very well be sold out. But that they've titled or you've titled that show over 50 years of rock and soul. Yeah, that's, yeah. This, that's a Ben Mead show. Yeah. He's the one that came up with <laughs> the whole that, yeah. idea. We, we never would have done it ourselves. By the way, we are actually at George's the 27th of December for happy hour in case somebody Misses this can't get yeah. tickets for the oh, There you wow. go. That'd be a great Christmas present. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> How do you feel about the legacy you've left on the Northwest Arkansas music scene? Uh, I don't know if it's a legacy or not. Well, yeah, you might be the only ones that would say that. <laughs> I ne- never think about that way. It's just been a lot of years of playing, and we enjoyed it. We still enjoy it. You know? and we're kind of fortunate to be in there at a certain time, and the business was. When the, everything was blooming, you know, like the mid '70s, right before disco took over, it was, it was a really good time, and we kind of got in on a lot of that. And, and being associated with Levon and those, actually, we played with the band for a couple of years, with the band, you know. And uh, anyway, through him, we got to meet a lot, a lot of people, movie stars and stuff, <laughs> just because of him, you know. Otherwise, we wouldn't have. Well, thank you so much for coming to talk to us. It really is an honor. Well, thank you. Yes, we've loved having you. Thank you for sharing your story with us. Uh, You can actually read more about the Cape Brothers in the November 10th edition of What's Up. So that's coming soon. And you'll be able to find that story on our website as well at nwaonline.com. Earl, Ernie, thank you so much. Thank you, John.